If you really like this episode, please support our podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talko Supremo. All right, guys, we're about to get into some serious shit with this case. We're going to one of our favorite places where we often complain about crappy convictions and sentences. Today's case is unsolved and one of the most famous cases in Canada's history. Who is Septic Tank Sam? All right, if you're ready, I'm ready. So let's take the plunge. I like the tangerine flavor. Oh, right on my microphone. God damn it. Shit. shit. Just like right in my fucking new mic. Oh, God damn it. It's been baptized. Jesus. It's bound to happen. Fuck. Yeah, but the first fucking time we use these mics. It's I get bound to happen. You're off. <laughs> well. Welcome to Talk Murder to Me. We got a few very interesting hints. Uh, or guesses, rather, from our Tacos Rebos. Do you want to? Are you going to read them out? Yeah. Well, you also told us that this was an unsolved case that does not take place in the United States. Okay, this is an unsolved case, not in America. The hint is septic, and John asked for comments on where we go and who we kill below. Okay, so Abby thinks a murderer from a rural setting gets caught with a septic tank that has human remains inside. Uh, Savannah says she thinks she knows, and she thinks it's what Lauren says, which she thinks it is septic tank Sam. Ooh, I don't think I've heard Um, of him before. I have never heard that either. That's an unfortunate nickname. Yeah, strange. Um, Elizabeth said, does a nurse inject his or her patient with a virus or bacteria that makes their blood go septic, essentially killing them? Um, And then I said, a murderer would like to kill people while they were sitting on the toilet. All right. So um, thank you, everyone, for commenting. We'll give tonight's surprise shot dedication to Lauren. Oh, we're doing septic tank, Sam? So, Lauren, congratulations. You win. Tonight's surprise shot. So it's dedicated to Lauren, but Abby is the one who gave us the drink recommendation, which is a shooter tonight. So we have a shooter as our themed drink, which is the liquid Tootsie Roll, which, (laughs) oh, that image. I actually really don't enjoy Tootsie Rolls, though, as a candy. I think they're Mm. really gross. Right. Yeah, I, I only like the fruity Tootsie Rolls. So, so yeah, the liquid Tootsie Roll is going to be our theme drink. And then we also have surprise ornament shots. Jen, tell us about the surprise ornament shots. So since it is December, it's the holiday season. And we celebrate Christmas in this house. But if you don't celebrate Christmas, that's okay. We're, we're celebrating our um, holiday spirit by taking our surprise shots out of Ornaments. They have the ornament shooters that you put on the tree. I'm not drinking out of a fucking ornament. It's it's, it's, it's meant a, it's a for shot. it's a shot glass alcohol. It's supposed to be that way. Y'all just pull that shit off the tree. No, no. I poured it. She poured it into these. Into the ornament. These are specifically made for booze. Ugh. We'll give you green because we know it's your favorite color. Anyway, so these are the twelve shots of Christmas. They have hooks on them. Yeah, they're these ornaments. These just came off the tree. Baby. Yes. <sighs> 
You did pull them off the tree. She just put them on. I there. just put oh. them on the tree. Oh. So the twelve shots of Christmas, and it. I thought it would be. <clears throat> I would get a better reaction out of it than what we just got. But, um, yeah. So so <laughs> what's going to happen? And yeah, legitimately, he was angry at me for it. But so what we're going to do is every every time we record, we're going to. Uh, take, pick a different ornament off the tree, and then that's going to be the shot that we take. And now that I've over-explained it, <laughs> it's taken the humor and uh, spontaneity out, so everyone is just... Yeah, now it's just kind of weird and creepy and lonely and sad. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> on the first shot of Christmas, John picked from the tree. Oh, fuck. <laughs> What was it? What do you think it was? It's whiskey. Jameson's cask make Irish whiskey. I'm glad I didn't pick that one. I think I'm gonna like what Did I it have. Tastes like uh, had uh, infused with IPA. What I'm gonna do tomorrow is pour all these out and replace them with absinthe. <laughs> I will literally murder you in your sleep. There's my confession. You know. You guys got so mad at me when I picked the absinthe shot. So. I, yeah, I'm not saying it's a good idea. I hate absinthe. We all know that I end up on bathroom floors when I drink absinthe. Nicole, you ready? I'm ready. On the second shot of Christmas, Nicole, pick from the tree. Watermelon vodka? Western sun, watermelon vodka. Yes! You should put little numbers on the bottom. On the... On the, third, first, on, on the third, on the third shot of Christmas, Christmas I pick from the tree. <laughs> this is a clusterfuck. <laughs> Firefly sweet tea. Oh, you Ooh. got the easy one. Western sun watermelon and Jameson's cast make iris whiskey. Why are you saying them all again? Because that's how the that's song, how the song goes. goes. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, Nicole, where are we going? Who are we killing tonight? Well, I kind of gave my guess on the post. It was a, not really a serious one, but I'll stick to it because I feel like that's fair. Um, I think we're going to Louisiana tonight, though, and um, the murderer has a fetish for killing people on the toilet. All right. Well, Jen, where do you think we're going and who are we killing? That's my question. Jen, where well, are we going? Who are we killing? Um I don't want to say Canada because I've just had enough of Canada's shenanigans. So I'm going to say France. Some crimes happened in the underground sewers. Kind of like in Les Miserables at the end when um, the innkeepers, who I can't remember their name, they he goes to attack Jean Valjean and Marius when they're in the sewers, when Jean Valjean is taking Marius like out of the war zone. All right, tonight... F you, Canada. I can't. You can, ta-da. <laughs> this isn't one of those. <laughs> We're going to Canada. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to be welcomed into that country. Oh. This isn't a bad one. The cops actually did a good job, and they didn't let anyone didn't out. Did you say it was unsolved? But they still did a good job, uh, and they didn't um, actually just let a killer out of prison because they don't have a killer. Yeah. In prison. <laughs> because they don't have a killer. Well, speaking of letting people out of jail, in current events, you guys know how the 
Um, there were a couple of attacks on the London Bridge recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy that stopped the attacker was actually out on a day pass from prison. Ah. Wow. Yeah. Go Canada. Nope, not England. Canada. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. How does the London like- Bridge, John. <laughs> Go Let's London. Let's leave the geography to Nicole. So tonight we are going to Toefield. Tofu? Toefield. Population five. Nobody, because there's it. nothing fucking there. Get it? Toefield five. It's five. five uh, on a foot. Toefield, where the bison outnumber the people. <laughs> bison is good, man. Uh, Toefield is close to Edmonton. Nicole, where is Edmonton at? I don't know. Canada. All right, Nicole. That's in Alberta. You're looking at the Toefield Community Hall. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Look at all the stuff they have Look going at those on. those activities. <laughs> all right. Tonight, we are going to April 13th, 1973 in Toefield, Canada. We're talking about Septic Tank Sam. This is an unsolved murder, kind of like the boy in the box. Oh, I didn't. That was a sad story. That was a really sad story. Mm, yeah. So we're going to April 13th, 1977. And uh, we're starting with Charlie McLeod. McLeod? McLeod? No, McLeod. Yeah, McLeod. McLeod. Now, April 13th, 1977, Charlie McLeod, he was stalling, installing a new septic tank pump because there was too much Tootsie Roll paste in his other one, and the pump started working. The pump stopped working. Okay. Thanks for that visual. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, so, I, I know you were trying to soften it a little bit with the Tootsie Roll. Ah, but, soften it. Is that a uh, doo Is that a stool joke? Yeah. yeah so this is. is basically where it was <laughs> right here. move, x oh, I should have uh, saved that for later. <laughs> yeah. No, you done used it. The best poop joke wins tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So look at that. That's the farmhouse. So we're going to right there. Boom. Go to talkmore.com to see all these pictures. I got so many of them. Got like three. Okay, so Charlie McLeod. Like <laughs> Charlie, I'm sorry, I just got that. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. Charlie, I'm new here. Charlie McLeod. He was replacing a pump for his septic tank, and instead of going to the store and buying one because those pumps are expensive as shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> instead of going to buy one, he had a spare. There was on his property of his farmhouse near Toefield, he had an abandoned abandoned barn. And that abandoned farmhouse was abandoned for about two years. And it had a septic tank that was working just fine before it went derelict. Okay. So instead of going to buy a new poop rotor, he just goes to the <laughs> abandoned farmhouse to swap the poop rotor. All right, basically how it is. So he opens the tank, mm-hmm. and what does he find in there? A body. Bones. <laughs> Poo. <laughs> he takes the cover off. Now, this is a two-meter deep waste tank. I just showed you the picture. Go talkmer.com to see the... Oh, please don't show us a picture of this. Well, no, it's just this poop thing. So he goes there, and he pulls out a dark gray swollen sock. He also pulls out a shoe. That shoe is actually... 
a imitation wallaby shoe. This is the actual shoe from the— Oh, Clark's. Yeah, Clark's wallaby. So this is the uh, shoe that he was wearing. All this stuff is going to become important. So go People to TalkMore.com. People wear shoes like that today still. Yeah. See the shoes. He goes to the RCMP, the Mountie Detachment in Toefield, and two Mounties actually come out there. Because he pulls out a sock and a shoe, and then he stops. He's like, okay, the cops has got to come out here because I don't want to pull what else is out in here. Because who knows what's in here? Yeah. So he goes and gets these two Mounties, and they go over there, and all they have with them is an ice cream pail. You know, when you're scooping that chocolate, that double fudge chocolate <laughs> ice cream out yeah. with the pail, with the scoop? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And That's then, you, <laughs> then you, you pack the fudge onto the cone? Damn, that is... Immature. All right. This is from the Edmonton Journal, Tuesday, October 10th, 2017. Grizzly murder case has RCMP baffled. First a sock and then a shoe were fished out of a septic tank on a farm near Tollfield. Then the badly decomposed body was yanked out. More than a month later, police are still trying to find the identity of their tortured victim. So all they had was this ice cream pail, and they scooped this oozy liquid, which is poopy, out of the septic tank, and they noticed instantly that there was actually a coat of lime at the top of the tank to cover the body, because there's a body down there, obviously, and lime helps it dissolve faster. All right, six hours go by. They take six hours to finally remove this body. It's a full skeleton. That's all it is. It's not a actual body. It's a skeleton. All right, and this is from the Edmonton Journal, May 21st, 1977, if you want to read this, Nicole. There is so little evidence in this case that the going is quite tough, said one Edmonton detective. It is one of the most frustrating cases I've worked on. That same newspaper article goes on to say, quote, Mr. McLeod was hoping to get his pump out, but this was not to be. The first thing he pulled out was a sock followed by a shoe. This was enough for the guy. He got into his car immediately and rushed here to the RCMP homicide unit. So they pulled out a skeletonized body, uh, a shoe and a sock and some tattered clothing. That was it. And just a full skeleton, literally covered in feces. Somebody had put him down there unless right. he decided to climb in there himself. Sounds like a shitty way to die. But I'm a t- uh-huh. ah. <laughs> All right. He could have climbed in there himself, but he probably didn't because they found out because the detectives and the forensic anthropologists, the people would, they're way too smart for us. They figured out that he was tied up then he was beaten. Then he was burned with a blowtorch. Now, the reason they can tell, because he's a skeleton, how would they be able to tell he's burned with a blowtorch? Nicole, got any ideas? How would they be able to tell a skeleton was burned with a blowtorch? I want to guess. Go ahead. Because they found the butane in with the from the blowtorch. Very good, Jen. They, they found his tattered clothing was burned. Just like Jen says, very good. The clothing was still visible. The tattered clothing didn't come out in the sock. The socket was burned with a blowtorch. How, he was, how did the clothing survive? <laughs> there was tattered clothing and a sock and a shoe. Yeah, but the rest of the body was burned. 
I didn't say the rest of the body was oh. burned. I said he was tied oh. up, then he was beaten, then he was burned with a blowtorch, then he was sexually mutilated, then he was shot twice in the head and the chest, Whoa. and then he was shoved down a septic tank. That is a shitty way to die. A skeleton is pulled out of the septic tank. How do they tell? Uh. They knew that this guy was shot at least twice in the head and chest. How do they know that? The skeleton? What do you mean? Well, you could probably see the bullets in the in the skull. There you go. The bullet fragmented the uh, some parts of the bone. In fact, they don't I feel actually like I'm being quizzed. They don't actually know how many times he was shot because if you think about it, some of the bullets may have just went through flesh and didn't hit bone altogether. Right. And then the bone dissolves in the doo doo and the lime, and then it's just bone. He was probably in the tank for at least three or four months. They later figured out it's it not was that long. It was probably about a year and a half. Oh. A year and a half. Keep that in mind. Because when did I say that the farmhouse became derelict? Two years. Two years. Very good. This goes in a town like Toefield, 1,200 people and 1,300 bison. This is the talk (laughs) of the freaking town, right? Everyone's scared because this happened here in their hometown in this rural-ass farm in this abandoned farmhouse. So somebody, whoever did that, knew that that farmhouse was abandoned. And whoever killed him was most likely a resident. Right. So first thing they did is go back and looked at all the missing person reports. Nobody has been questioning for a victim of recent times within this city. So Could be a neighboring area. Yeah. So they don't know if he has any close friends or family. In fact, a neighbor named Johnny Wood, the next door, next acre neighbor, Johnny Wood, he goes out and he checks all his septic tanks on his property to make sure there's no doo-doo bodies in there. Fair. Did he find any? He didn't find any doo-doo bodies. Did anyone else find any? No, everyone checked. So were they able, because they had bone fragments, able to identify him? I realize they may not have been able to identify him in the 70s, but are they able to get his DNA from You're pushing the way too far ahead of the story. A guy named Bill Chin, the local the local owner of the Diamond Restaurant in Toefield, knew that it must be a regular customer because they were going to interview. All these people were in the paper. And he said, oh, my God, this is most likely someone that I serve every day. Another guy, John Bergen, who owns the local town shop, thought the same thing. They were both quoted by the media of being kind of like, oh, my God, this is most likely someone that we know. Initial theories. What do you guys think? How did this guy end up in the shithole? Um, I think it is a, I think the victim might be like a male prostitute or something from another town that was meeting someone in this area or another close by town and the the residents from Toefield, though. So he shoved him in a tank, a septic tank? Yeah. You got to be pretty demented and fucked up to shove someone in a well, septic yeah, tank. Well, yeah, the show is called Talk Murder to Me. No, so. I'm saying, like, I mean, he was burned with a blowtorch. I'm going to get to this later. It's one sick motherfucker. Don't get me wrong. he was sexually mutilated. So I think it's a home, the, the murderer is a closet homosexual. And is angry by the fact that he is a homosexual, picked up a male prostitute or whatever, had a homosexual date, and killed him. So there's a few theories that the police initially had. 
the first being this could have been a biker gang killing, kind of like a uh, the sexual mutilation is what what kind of throws me though. The husband may have caught this guy with his wife. So you don't mean that the victim was sexually assaulted, that his genitals were cut off? Yeah. Okay, maybe I feel a little bit differently. <clears throat> but now. we don't know because there's all bone coming out of there. They can't tell the dude. They can tell that the wiener was cut off. Yeah, but they can't tell if he got raped or anything. Mm. They also think it could have been a drug deal that gone a drug deal gone awry. They also believed it could have been bad debts. He may have had like mm. you know mafia debt, loan shark, or it could have been torture because he held a secret and he wouldn't give up the information. Kind of like uh, the um, who put Bella in the witch elm. So they put out a vague description of the man the best they could with what they had. The victim, you mean? The victim, yeah. So blue jeans, well, he was a male, blue jeans because of tattered clothing, a blue Levi shirt with snap buttons, a white T-shirt, a gray woolen work sock, imitation wallaby shoes, black hair, maybe a Native American. Hmm. But he also may be Caucasian, which is black hair. 23 to 32 years old. Actually, they went right in the middle of 28, and they just kind of left it there. You know, because they don't want to go too specific, because then people might be like, oh, no, he's too young or too old for who I think it is. Mm-hmm. He's five foot ten, and his bones and teeth showed that he had suffered a serious illness as a child mm-hmm. around five years old. Interesting. Gum disease uh-huh. or whatever. Now, he could be a farm laborer or a construction worker. Um, which comes to mind if he's a farm laborer, all you have is farms and old tow field. Right. So it's probably one of them farmers, old Johnny Wood. He could have come from a native reserve. He could be a homeless vagrant. Either way, the cops got involved and three agencies actually the Edmonton RCMP, the Towfield Mounties, and the Vegreville Mounties, which is a neighboring county. They had four potential leads at first and they put out 250 missing person files. In 1977, they turned to the dentist, which they should have done, you know, and... For teeth imprints. Yeah, because, you know, he did have uh, surgery as a child, or he did have an illness as a child with his teeth. They sent the dental records to 800 dentists for x-rays, and the guy still had all his teeth, but he recently had dental fillings in. Oh, Mm -hmm. I don't know why I thought of... This, but when you said 800 dentists, I thought you meant like they sent it to the dentists called 1 800 dentists because I'm pretty sure that's a thing now. Oh, yeah. Mm. (laughs) Hello, I'd like to make an appointment, please. He was buried in an unmarked grave, but he would eventually be unearthed multiple times, as I'm going to talk about. Hmm. He was unidentified human remains 77 001 38, but that doesn't sell any newspapers. So he began. To be called Septic Tank Sam. Uh And he won the hearts of the Canadians because they all wanted to figure out who this guy was. And even to this day, I'm going to show you, within the last year and a half, new developments have been made Hmm. for this case that's over 40 years old. About who he is? or About who he is, because everyone wants to know who he is. It's like one of those darling cases, you know? And Mm -hmm. they got to figure out who he is because it's important. Dr. Clyde Snow, which is a forensic anthropologist, and he is very renowned in his field, especially when he teamed up with a Betty Gatlift, the medical illustrator, 
If that sounds any familiar to you guys, that duo was the same people that collaborated together to form a sketch and story for who we now known as the extraordinary life of Elmer McCurdy. Oh! Yeah. So, in fact, 1976, Elmer McCurdy was actually identified. If you guys have listened to that one, if you're talking as Primo, I'm going to do the story eventually for everyone else. It's my favorite true crime story. He was found in a carnival uh, in a uh, like a haunted house type thing at a fair. He was hanging there for about 20 years, and they thought he was a— a uh, a prop a prop but it because it, it was like a skeleton it was like a haunted house but he was a real human this duo Dr. Clyde Snow and Betty Gatliff they worked together and in 1976 they did a facial reconstruction and identified him okay so now this story we're talking about here takes place in 1977 one year after mm-hmm. that so now we have the technology to use them to identify this guy. In 1983, now this is about five, six years later, the RCMP released other information because they were getting nowhere with what they had. The victim was actually rolled up in a yellow bed sheet and the sheet was tied with a nylon rope and around his head and body. So Hmm. he was actually laying on the bed and his arms were tied to the bedpost. His legs were tied to the... End of the bedpost. Yep. Now, how could they tell? Do you guys want to take a guess? How could they tell that he was tied up at the hands and feet on the bed using what they had? Maybe the bedposts were um, still tied to his feet. No, no. All they had was a skeleton and tattered clothing. That's all they pulled out. Oh. So, and with that, they could tell that. Was there rope fibers? There was no rope fibers. Mm -hmm. They could tell that his hands were tied up. Because, I mean, think about it, the hands, yeah, that's flesh. The, that rope is tied around flesh that disintegrates, right. and then so does the rope. All you're left with is bone. So how could they tell that he was tied up? I don't know. He was tortured on the bed, and he was burned all over his body, all over his body, with a blowtorch. Well, the burns stopped at his wrist, where his the ropes would be tied. They also stopped at his ankles right where the rope was tied. That's where the burn stopped. So they were hitting that nylon rope. Does that make sense? Yep. They could tell that from his clothing because they still had his clothing, right? You guys are looking at me strange. No, I'm just thinking. I'm processing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sock actually showed a hole that was burned through the sock. That's how they knew that this was torture with a blowtorch because he's laying on the bed flat He's tied up. His hands are tied, just kind of like some Fifty Shades of Grey shit, right? Yep. And his shoes are taken off, and then his socks are still on. They take that blowtorch, and they put it right on the bottom center of his sole of his foot and just let it heat up. And there's a hole in his sock. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, there's a hole in his sock. Now, how do you think they knew that he was sexually mutilated? Because the penis isn't really a bone, as Jen said earlier. Er. What? Boner. Ha 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 ha! All right, boner. Guess how did how could they tell he was sexually mutilated? They could tell he was sexually mutilated because the jeans he was wearing there was a hole that was cut out right where his wiener would go. So basically, that his jeans the the hole 
matched a certain type of description of a tool that was used. Here's how here's how it happened. He's laying on the bed. Like a bolt cutter? He's laying on the bed getting tortured and burned all over his body. He's got ropes on. Ah! You know, just getting completely fucking tortured. They take their hands and they kind of like scoop under his scrotum. They kind of tuck it up so it sticks out, you know, a bulge. Then they take these big garden shears and they just snip and that little thing just pops right off. That's what they did because the jeans were cut that way with these garden shears. I'm just telling you how it is. The bottom line is this guy really pissed somebody off. You know what's interesting? So, like, you know, I'm thinking he became Canada's darling mystery man that we have to find out who septic tank Sam is. And one of the theories is maybe he is a, you know, it's a drug thing. Not that it makes it any better, but what if this person's like the biggest low life or asshole or also murderer? Um, yeah, maybe, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh, all right. Who wants to see what the uh, artist illustration of septic tank Sam looks like? Yeah. This is the first one. Now I'm going to show you two more as the years progress, as technology advances. Oh, cool. But this is the first one they came out with. Oh. Creepy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's creepy looking. He looks Asian in that one. I could see the Native American thing, though. Well, he wouldn't be a Native American. He'd be... Canadian. Canadian. Native Canadian. Well, Native American could still work because it's North America. Yeah, because it's North America. So that's what he looks like now. In 1995, nearly 20 years go by, they got no leads from anybody. And I don't like that he's looking at me. <laughs> well, yeah. actually, those I, I was those are glass eyes. Yeah, I can you take it off the screen? He's looking right at me. It's not looking at anyone else. Oh shit. When I move it around the screen, he just keeps looking at you. He's looking at me too. You're going to see that in your dream tonight. Yeah, probably. Yep. And we all know I have very vivid dreams. So thanks a lot. Well, if you got very vivid dreams, let me show you what his new picture looks like. It's a little more better for you. Oh, that's not, <laughs> not bad. Really. That's like a fifth grade art project. Yeah. That's not bad. That just makes me feel sad for the fifth grader who made it. Yeah, go to talkmer.com to see these facial hmm. reconstructions. It's pretty uh, pretty cool. 1995 rolls around. You know no- what that, I'm sorry, but you know what this one looks like? Hmm. Adam Sandler and, oh, and, and, and Billy Madison. Yeah, it does. Shampoo is better. I go on first and clean the hair. Conditioner is better. I leave the hair silky and smooth. Oh, really, fool? Really? <laughs> Stop looking at me, swan. It does look like Adam Sandler. But specifically in Billy Madison. Okay, what's really interesting about this one is, do you notice the last picture? Mm -hmm. He had his mouth closed. Yeah. Yeah. This picture, he has his teeth showing. And he has a very distinctive smile. Exactly. It's because the computer technology allowed more a more detailed facial reconstruction and they actually showed his teeth. So they want to, so let's say your uncle that you only seen once in your life, but you remember his fucking crooked ass goat teeth, right? (laughs) You're seeing them crooked (laughs) ass goat teeth right there. You're like, damn, that's that motherfucker right there. Yeah. I can see. Yeah. Every time they release one of these pictures, they get a lot of leads and the, I hate to say it, but the Canadian police actually did a really good job. 
And, you hate to say it. <laughs> and they did chase down all these leads. Now, if they would have found the killer, they would have put him in the prison for 40 days. But yeah, true. <laughs> like you served your time as a free man. Yeah. Honestly, no one has any clue who this guy was. Now, mm. October 10th, 2017 was the last update for this guy. All right. This is from the Edmonton Journal, Tuesday, October 10th. 2017. The title is Could he's New- looking at me again. Good. <laughs> Look, he's this is like you got a facelift. He does. Look, septic tank Sam, facelift. The uh title is Could New DNA Database Provide a Break in Grizzly Septic Tank Sam Case. Staff Sergeant Jason Zazulak with the Alberta RCMP's Historical Homicide Unit said the chances that the database will yield a break in the case are slim, but the prospect is still exciting. We knew about DNA technology from our friends in the lab, he said. What law enforcement had to do was build the proper legal framework so that those samples could be used and compared. It's very exciting to be on the brink of that happening. Okay, so they're using the same technique that caught the Golden State Killer. They're basically taking ancestral DNA and they're putting it into the newly formed RCMP National Children and Missing Persons Unidentified Remains database. They probably should shorten that title. And they're hoping to finally identifying who this is. Now, the killer is most likely dead, our killers. As years progress... Right now, his parents would be about 100 years old. Yeah. You know, so they're probably dead. The killers would be about 70, 75, 80 years old. Yep. So they're most likely gone, too. So the only hope now for poor old Sam here, if he ever gets identified, which he probably will not, is a match from ancestral DNA, the same technology that they used to catch the Golden State Killer. My mom was just telling me that um, something that, her husband wanted for Christmas if I needed an idea was one of those 23 and me things. And I was like, nope, nope. Got another idea for his Christmas present. Not doing that. All right. Well, that's the whole story on septic tank sand. There's really not more information on there. I just really wanted to cover it. Cause I love those stories like that. The boy in the box had more information on it. Cause there was more details, but that's what this is wow. one of, uh, this is Canadian. one of Canada. This is one of Canada's most darling unsolved mysteries hmm. right here. Septic Tank Sam. So any questions? No, but I'm glad you took the plunge and went into him as much detail as possible. Ah, nice guess, Taco Supremos. Yeah. I'm impressed that they caught that. Well, Savannah- and technically someone else um I think Abby guessed the septic tank thing, like didn't know the, the, the name, but guessed like basically the theory was right. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our poo-poo, go to talkamera.com slash join, become a Taco Supremo, get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love, shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicate it to you on Talk Murder Me Podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time. I like that. That was good. Oh, was it, Jen? I'm glad you approved. Babe. Yeah.
I guess the poops on him. Not as good. I'm going to cut yours anyway, so. Oh, uh, babe. So loser. He's just going to cut it so he can say it. <laughs> I know that seems like a shitty way to die. <laughs> and then I'm going to paste your laughter in there. Babe. <laughs> <laughs>